Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. So blessed to be here in my home church today. So proud of Pastor James and Debbie. I really want to give honor to where honor is due. When I look at how God has used Pastor James, Pastor Debbie, and really thousands of our Bethel family over the last months who've marched and prayed and cried out, um, it's touched everyone from the governor to churches all over there. I just really want to thank you. I want to thank you for just making a stand for righteousness, for calling out for justice, for calling out for reconciliation, for calling out for forgiveness. I, I could not be prouder, Kathy and I, um, to be a part of this church. You know, it's such a blessing in the city. I was laughing with James. I, I need to get a T-shirt. James Lowe is my pastor. Um, every, they go, James Lowe, your pastor? I said, oh, I love James Lowe. I go, I love him too. I need a big T-shirt. James Lowe is my pastor. So I want to thank you and thank Pastor James, Pastor Debbie, uh, for all you've done. Holy Spirit, help us as we speak your word. We thank you for it. Amen. Pastor James has been in a series entitled A Tale of Two Kings. And I'm going to continue uh, that series under the subtitle, Whom Have You Crowned in Your Heart? In the end, that will determine everything. I want to start, James alluded to what happened December 31st, 2018, and I'll allude very quickly only to set the context of this message. I was sitting here on the front row getting ready to preach at our New Year's service, which is a high time every year of prayer and praise and fun. Don't miss it. I'll be back this year. Hopefully, I'll have a nicer word than that 2018, but that was the night I saw America being weighed in the balance of the scales of God's judgment, and um, this was shared um, really over the next few weeks to a couple thousand people heard me share this. It's on YouTube for that matter, both out of Bethel and out of our church here and out of our church in Raleigh. And I saw scales, America's being weighed and as they plunged down to the unrighteous side, I saw New York City slammed terribly. There's no word for it, it was underwater, the financial markets were crumbling and our economy was shattered across the nation. California went vertical in the whole country uh, began to slide into what seemed like a terrible recession, maybe a depression. People were screaming and screaming, who will save us, what will happen? I kept hearing these words, 17 months, 17 months, 17 months. Just as I thought the whole country was gonna slide off into New York Harbor, I saw the hands of our Heavenly Father reach out to save our country. I mean, I've got kids in California with grandkids, I've got kids in New York City. I was stunned and the next thing I knew, James was having me up to preach our Happy New Year's word. So um, I got up and it was a very mature crowd that night and I, I began to prophesy. And I prophesied by saying this, as the, as the calendar ticks down to 17 months and from that very weekend was the weekend Mr. Floyd would be tragically killed in May, 17 months. I said that day, a terrifying time of division will fall in the country. It will be polarized. People will be afraid. Um, there'll be fear everywhere. Civility will seemingly die in the public square. But here at Bethel, if we can rise 
above our ethnicity for a moment and grab our identity in Christ, we'll be mightily used for a five-year period to make a difference in our country. I went on to say this, America will not end up in lasting depression or recession. America will not end up in anarchy. America will end up in revival. Let's give God a hand. I believe that, beloved. Um, our service is going to end today with Pastor James is going to come in and leading you to pray and re over for revival in America. I would normally do it, but I'm going to be getting ready to go to La Casa, our Every Nation Hispanic Church that meets in our gym. I'm going to go speak to them that I'm going to run back here and speak to the next congregation. Then I'm going to go home for a bit and go out and speak to Murfreesboro. You say, well, how did you plan so bad, Pastor Jim? I blame it all on Pastor James because Murfreesboro asked me. I said, yes. Then La Casa asked me. I said, yes. Then, then James asked me. Then the Lord asked me to listen to James. So that's why I'm doing that today. Okay. I want to break this message into three very simple parts. I want to talk to you about your calling. Then I want to talk to you about who have you crowned in your heart. And lastly, I want to talk about our conflict. Are we, are we helpless right now? It's very clear when the Lord told me we'd be in a time of deep division and pain. How many of you know that word's just been fulfilled? And it's still being fulfilled today. And, and outside of God's grace, we're going to see some very unique months ahead of us. Where is God in all that? You may be wondering, Pastor Jim, like, who'd you vote for? Well, typically I keep that secret in the ballot box. Four years ago, I voted for Pastor James Lowe as my president. Um, I did it in this year because he's lost too much weight. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I could not have a slender man in the White House. But, but, hum but, humor, but humor aside, I didn't vote this year. And I believe in voting. I've, I've served my country. Um, in an elite combat unit, um, elite, and I, I, I believe in it. And every time I go, I, every time I head off to war, it end, God be praised. But I serve my country. I love my country. And, and let me say, beloved, that God said you cannot vote. It would have been hard for me because I honestly fight not to feel orphaned from both political parties. I fight. But then I, I'm glad because I felt like God said I want, it's going to be really rough. I want to keep you above the fray. He said, Jim, I can't have you get partisan this year. I want you to be able to hear me, so I want you to know that. Here's our calling, Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, this initial calling is given to the nation of Israel. Now, therefore, if you indeed will obey my voice and keep my covenant, think about this. He's speaking to a couple of million of people who have been enslaved 400 years, all rights stripped away, and mass infanticide has been practiced on their, on their male children. If you'll obey me, you're going to be my treasured possession. How many of you know if you've been enslaved and abused, the last thing you feel is treasured? God said, out of the whole earth, I'm going to treasure you among all peoples. Like, you're going to be my special people. The earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a nation. What is God saying? Out of all the world, I'm going to reach down and get these 12 tribes who've been, been so persecuted. I might add that persecution followed the Jewish nation a good long time. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to take you. These are the words you'll speak to Israel. Now, the reason I start here is this calling, as we're going to find in a moment, has been extended to you and I. 
but I want to talk. God says, you're it. You are my plan for the world. There's no one like you. Now that had to shake them. They'd been persecuted, beaten down, hounded. But then a crisis hit. How many of you know Moses was probably a God-appointed leader? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. How many of you hate these? Raise your hand. I wear them for you. I wear them for me. Plus, when your face gets a little fat, it's good to hide it anyway. And so I look at this and I think to myself, Moses wore this every day, all day in the desert. He veiled it. Because in his prayer time, the glory of God was so powerful, if he would have taken the veil off, you would have been blinded. He wore this all the time. And I've been through that desert, so has James. It's hot over there, so is Debbie. He wore that all the time. And every time he'd get up to speak, he'd crack that veil and the glory come. He'd go, that's God's man, I know it. I mean, there have been a lot of people that said they're God's man in history or God's woman in history. Some are, some aren't, but there's only been one Moses until Jesus came. He came down from that mountain thinking, man, I got the perfect law. I mean, how many of that's God's law. You can't get much better than that. God's finger wrote it. I got our new constitution. Glory is here. And he began to hear a hubbub down in a church service. And Joshua goes, whoo, they're praising down there. Maybe the enemies are attacking him. Moses, that ain't the sound of praise. That's the sound of partying. That's the sound of sexual immorality and idol worship. And in 40 days, this great new nation chosen of God, blessed of God, was disobeying everything he said. How many of you know humans can be crazy? Look, look in the mirror when you get home, you'll see it's true. I mean, God's man, God's law, they're already disobeying and they hit a crisis. Now, this is important because maybe you've wondered, well, Jim, God gave every tribe of Israel the promise. Why don't the Levites get it? You ever wonder about that? I mean, God stands there on Mount Sinai, everyone. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, beloved, it, it's, it's, it's just rampant sexual immorality, rampant idolatry. People are going crazy. He stands in the camp. Now remember, this is God's man. This is the man that's parted the Red Sea. This is the man that in his spare time destroys empires, holy angel food falls. You just don't get a more anointed pastor than that, I'm sorry. Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Who of you wants to be a part of this kingdom? And all the sons of Levi gathered around him and he said to them, why did only one tribe gather? Were they more holy? Probably not, but it's tribalism. That our man, he's my tribe. And how many of you know you can't reduce tribes just to ethnicity because in every ethnicity there's multiple tribes, tribal views and political views and how they see now. Man, that's our brother. Oh, that's Moses. We'll follow him. So put your sword on your side, each of you. Go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother as companion and his neighbor. How many of you, that's just rough. Take out your sword and kill your closest friend if he's been in that sin. Kill your companion. Kill your neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day, 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, today you've been ordained for the service of the Lord. 
each one of you at the cost of his son and his brother. Now that's obviously not advocating killing people. What is it saying? It's gonna cost you to have this priesthood. It's gonna cost you, it's gonna cost me to see how God sees things. It's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you within your own tribe. They may not just get how you see things or how you view things. When God dumped me out into a war zone in the middle of a communist Muslim insurgency crisis with a government in the island of Mindanao, they, they made war in front of my house. I was there to reach those people and people like me like weren't in real demand in that jungle. And the Lord told me, if you choose to be an American, you'll never reach these people, Jim. If you identify American, you'll never reach them. But will you identify Christ follower? You see, what happens when God begins to call us into things, there's a crisis. Now, let me clarify this. In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says this. This is to every one of us, and we know in this room, I mean, we've got multiple ethnicities in this church, 59 countries. I mean, we're... Afri we're, we're Americans of African descent, European descent, Hispanic descent. Um, it just goes on and on. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The early church fathers called the church the third race, Jews, Gentiles, and Christians. Out of North Africa, they were the great scholars of the church. What is God saying? I've given you an identity. That doesn't mean you don't forget yours, but you're my plan, you're my answer, you are my people, and yes, there's the nation of America, yes, there's another nation called the kingdom of God. And my ultimate allegiance as a Christian is not to America, it is to the kingdom of God. Now I've lived in places where that will cost you your life. In our every nation world, we have multiple people in prison right now. We have people being tortured right now. Their church is being bulldozed because they go to church and the government says, you cannot serve that Christ. That government says, that human leader is your God. The great problem in part of the world is resisting the king for the sake of Christ. Oh, if that were the problem in America. It's really the opposite. Let me talk about who you crown in your heart. You see, this is my home church so I can be real honest. I'll be in Philadelphia next year, next week. They don't know me as well. I may not quite be able to be my full south. This home. How many of you know it's easy to crown yourself, raise your hand, that when you got saved, Jesus has been trying to bump you off his throne ever since. From time to time, you get real scared. You go, whoo, that scared me. Sit down, Jesus. Then you go, life's back to normal. You sit right back on his lap. He says, I ain't sitting here with you. Get off or I'm off. And so we have this early fight that's clear. You can't be your own king. I'm sorry for you. You know what that lordship really means? Either you're king or God is. Well, you know, Jim, God's my partial king. I need him from time to time. He, oh, oh my God, he's king over cigarette smoking. Maybe not over chocolate chip cookie eating. He's prince in that. And so there's just this battle in all of us. But there's a more subtle 
battle. And we find it in 1 Samuel 8, 19 and 20. There's something in the people of God, starting with Israel, that doesn't always feel comfortable with an invisible God. They just rather have a king they could see, like everyone else. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, Samuel. Samuel, you're great. You've been like a great pastor. We love you. We love you, Pastor S. Don't like your sons much. We like you. But there will now, no, we want a king now. We want to be like every other country. We want a human to be our ultimate authority, unless we disagree with him. We want to be like all the nations that our king may judge us and especially go out before us and fight all our battles. Oh, make us safe. Oh, do all the work that prayer should do, my king. Oh, my king. If you just pass all these laws, we won't have to believe for anyone to be transformed in their heart. Oh, if I could just have a king. You may say, Pastor Jimmy, have you ever preached this message before? Only a bit. Four years ago, I found myself at the church who prophesied that Donald Trump would become president. When I heard the hat, I didn't want to go because I'm not political. I don't like it. I went out there. They had prophesied that, and I stood. Vote for him, you may. Crown him, you better not. That was my message. Crown God. Vote for who your conscience tells you. I've prayed for every president. I pray every night. I call down God's blessings on them. But no matter what happens in America, my God is my God and my king. Vote for who you choose. Put your confidence ultimately in God. Kings can change laws. God can change hearts. Right now in America, we've got 76 million people in euphoria, 72 million in despair. I am neither. Why? Because my king's not changed every four years. He's God. I believe in good laws. I believe in voting. I believe in all of it. I take it seriously. I've only got one God. Now watch this. This is so subtle, the sign. If you'll catch this, it's going to help you. Samuel stands up. Now, how many know Samuel fairly serious? Pastor James has been pointing that out. You don't want to mess with Samuel. He'd come visit your home. You wouldn't be thinking, dear God. Oh, it's Samuel. We're so happy. Dear God, what sin did he see that he came here after church? And I'm going to tell you this. I'll say this to you and to everyone else that hears this. Now, therefore, stand still. Stand right where you are this morning. Whether you're afraid, wondering, and there's not an American anywhere not a little afraid right now. And see the great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? That means the dry season, May, June. Just never rain there. I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you've done in the sight and asking yourselves for a king. What's that I'm saying? You're going to find out now what you just traded in. 
He said, if you really choose only to have a human king and you don't want God as your king anymore, this is what you're going to be missing. How many of you know America's dry? Raise your hand. My God, we need the reign of heaven, the love of God to fall upon us. Anger, hatred, polarization, Americans demonizing one another. Samuel says, is, this is what you're missing. He raises his hands, no, oh God, send thunder, send rain. Let's be honest, humans can't even predict the weather. I mean, would you want to be a weatherman? All them satellites, it's going to rain today. You go, where's the rain? It's going to be hot today. You're by your fireplace. It thunders and it rains and the people scream why. They realize there's there's the one God alone that can change the seasons. There's one God alone that can make it rain when it's been dry. There's one God alone on this earth with the power to transform a heart. And it rained. And it rained. And they're scared that rain could have destroyed the wheat harvest. And here's what they this was their sentiment. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel, and all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we don't die, for we've added to every other sin the evil of asking for a king. There's a tendency in all of this just to hope some woman or some man's going to save us. And I believe, in, I believe in having the best government. I believe it's the purpose of government to punish evil and reward good. I believe in voting. I believe in protesting. I believe in campaigning. I'm not partisan. I'm sorry. I'm political, not partisan. Why? Because the only thing I'm partisan about is Jesus. It's him. You see, beloved, whoever is president, if President-elect Biden's president, I'll pray God's blessing on that man and pray for him every night. I prayed for President Obama every night. I prayed for President Bush every night. It doesn't matter if I agree with everything they stand for, which I might add, I never have. What matters is God says, pray for your leaders and bless them that you might enjoy a peaceful life. You say, Pastor Jim, are you worried? I was worrying over the nation in my backyard, wondering, God, is it gonna, are we gonna divide more? What's, I was crying. My God goes, hey, what's up? Why are you so teary? You, mean, you feel like maybe I'm off my throne now? Is that what's worrying you so bad? You think maybe, son, that my arm is short? You think maybe I can't reach down and touch this nation? You think maybe I'm going to allow things to come to a point where people realize, we just need God. Let me tell you, if Donald Trump was the president-elect, I'd be preaching the same message today. Because there's a tendency, and I preached it when he was elected, there's a tendency in all of our hearts, can some human just fix it? Some can fix it better than others, but ultimately, only God can. Now, I know it's easy right now, beloved, to feel powerless. It just is. 
it's easy to feel where you're sitting. Well, I, I voted to the best of my conscience. I'm believing the nation's still crazy. What's going to happen? It's so easy not to trust. And that's why I don't lift up my eyes to the mountains of government and all our laws. I lift up my eyes to the throne of God. You know why? He's the only leader that won't disappoint you. It's just true. And leaders can make great difference. But old Moses, maybe the greatest political leader to ever step foot on the earth, came down the mountain to just immorality and idolatry in his new country. It's because the best of laws can't change our hearts. Only God, through people like you, can. We're in a conflict, and I want to say four things to you. I first want to talk to you about the power of the Word of God. But I'm going to give you four things to do. And if you'll do these things, your confidence will grow. No matter how crazy it gets in America and how divisive it may seem, God's on the throne. No matter how hard it seems, we've all read the end of the story. Last I look, the devil, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the fallen angels all go to hell. We win. I mean, I can look at the story and tell you, this turns out good. Hallelujah. Oh, I love it. Sometimes my wife and I read, the, as you get older, you read more about heaven because you think you might be there sooner. Let's read about heaven tonight, baby. When you're young, it's the last thing on your mind, unless you're in a real bad trial and don't want to have it anymore. In 2 Kings 18, 19, and 20, the people of God were in trouble. Hezekiah, the young king, had a pretty bad childhood. Back in those days, parents would offer some of their children to be burned alive in fire. If they didn't sacrifice you, they'd hold you by one foot and pass you through the fire as a sign to the gods. So it's a burns on his body. He was king now. It's a tough time. But God was going to use him to reform that whole nation and save it. Four years into his reign, ten tribes were ethnically cleansed, destroyed, and forcibly deported by the Assyrian Empire. Piles of human skulls left. Imagine two-thirds of America is just taken by another country when you wake up tomorrow. And they're all taken from our shores, enslaved and repopulated. That'd shake you up. They're down to about a third left of the territory of Israel and about a tribe and a half. And man, revival's breaking out. The country is being reformed, beloved. It's powerful. The church is so powerful. They're worshiping, they're singing, giving. And all of a sudden, after 10 years of just thinking, we got our building, the temple's cracking, they get word that the Assyrian army is coming to their gates to destroy them. This army's never been defeated. History tells us, if I remember it correctly, they've taken 30 straight cities. They would kill or enslave every person in the city. And the emissary is a man named Rabishakah. You find him in 2 Kings. And Rabishakeh said, said, tell your king this. The armies are a day or two behind him. 
Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria. On what do you rest as trusters? Americans, what are you trusting in today? Do you really think the Republicans will save you? The Democrats will really save you from the demonic forces of hell unleashed. Vote you. What is going to save you? The Green Party? What's going to save you? I just don't care anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go live up in the mountains and hide out. I'm going to the Caribbean and live. What's going to, what are you trusting in today? Donald Trump? Joe Biden? Vote if that's what your conscience told you to do. God bless you. But where's your real trust? He mocked him. He goes, what are you trusting in today? Thus says the king, the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust? Do you really think that mere words? Do you really think the words of your God, the words of the Bible, the words of your prophet, do you really think that what God said is a good strategy? Do you really think God's word is filled with power? Do you really think your word's gonna save us? We're the biggest, baddest army in the world. In whom do you trust now that you've rebelled against me? Does the Bible really work? Is God's power really work? Is the word of God really the word of God? You see? They said they went to Elijah, they went to, pardon me, to uh, Isaiah. They said, Isaiah, they're gonna kill us. We're done. No one's ever defeated that army. We tried to ally with Egypt and hope the old Pharaoh would save us. And Isaiah said this, thus saith the Lord, they'll never besiege this city. Not one arrow will fly. Not one catapult will throw a stone. In fact, my God will destroy him. Next morning, 188,000 were killed by the angel of the Lord. They went back home. Sennacherib, the king, was killed by his own sons. There's no more powerful thing in this world than the government of God. There's no more powerful thing in this world than the living, vital word of God. You say, Pastor Jim, are we reduced to the word? You're always reduced to the word. It's just times like this, you know it. God's word is power. God's word is strength. God's word that's why I tell you now, according to the word of God, let's deal with fear. Don't call conspiracy all these people call conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be in dread. Honor me. Let me be your fear. You're going to fear something right now. What do you fear? A political party? Well, what about this conspiracy? What do they say? There's more conspiracies out there. God says, don't call conspiracy everything they call conspiracy. Just fear me. There's no one like God. That means let God have the largest impact on your life. Oh, my God, what happens for Senator so-and-so? Oh, my God, what happens with this? Well, oh, my God, what happens? I, God knows. A lot of my brothers and sisters are tortured. They're in prison. They can't even vote. When they, they look over here and hear about us, they kind of scratch their head and wonder why we worried. They're worried about being killed, church demolished with a bulldozer, whipped, tortured, taken from their families. 
Cattle prodded. Feed on this word. Jesus said, you bet feed on his word every day. Feed on my word. I will help you. I will touch you. My word will come on you. He said, if you feed on my body and my blood, that's spiritual. My word, my living word, I'll change you. And you can fight with his word. Saints of God said, let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nation and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and fetters and to execute the judgment written. Praise the Lord. It's the honor, not just of James or Debbie or Jim or Kathy, but of all the saints. I've walked my floor night after night with the word of God in my hands, plunging the sword of the spirit into the spirit of racism, into division, into anarchy, into murder, in behind all the plethora of problems in our country. There is a dark realm with dark spirits led by Satan to lie and hurt us. And we the only ones with the power to deal with it. It's you, it's me. Last thing I want to say, there's a flow of the Spirit right now. It says all of creation is groaning, just groaning in the pains of childbirth. Creation's groaning. Why? We go, man, is the earth warming? Yes, what could it be? Book of Isaiah says the world is burning and scorching because of the sin of its inhabitants. Yes, I believe in global warming. Yes, my wife, if she, if she puts one more thing in the recycle bin, I'm going to get rid of the trash cans. I mean, we believe in it. We practice it. But the earth hates sin. The earth hates innocent blood. It boils in pain with the unjust killing of African Americans. It recoils the unjust killing of fetuses. It recoils. Are you kidding me? God told Moses, you live in a sinful way. The earth will, you out. You're 20 feet away. You're safe, James. It'll spit you out. It'll spit you out. But also inside of us, there's a groaning to throw this off. There's a groaning to throw off this sin, to throw off this fear, to throw it off. And that's why the Holy Spirit, when you don't know how to pray, groans out of you. You are the most empowered people in the world. Oh yes, the world can depower you, treat you unjustly, but you're the chosen, royal, holy people of God. Let's stand to our feet right now. I want you to stand, Pastor James, I want you to stand to your feet. Let's give God a great clap, let's say it. Give him a clap, oh rise up, say this. Say this, God, you are our king. You're our Lord. We are not powerless. We are filled with the power of your word. We call on you as our king. We call on you as our king to revive our nation, to pour your spirit out on our nation, 